Welcome to Marvel Us Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this on Monday, January 6, 2020. Uh, by the way, happy belated New Year's, Aaron. Uh, here's hoping you and Sabrina did something fun on December 31st. Yeah, passed out at 930. <laughs> it was awesome. Had the best sleep ever. <laughs> oh, oh, you know, and the part of me that's really happy to hear that because Nancy made it as far as 1030 and I hung in there till 11, but that was mostly because I always call my daughter at 11 o'clock, 8 o'clock LA time. But in our case, the most exciting thing all evening was that there was this ice storm supposedly coming that was going to knock out power here up in New Hampshire. So while other people were waiting to watch the ball drop, we were filling up the bathtub. So if we lost power, we'd be able to flush toilets. You know, right, just yep. sort of, we're exciting people. Anyway, so lots has gone on since we, we last recorded a, a new Mud podcast. And I guess the, the appropriate place to start is, <laughs> did you hear about what Martin Scorsese's 20-year-old daughter Francesca did to her dad over the holiday? I don't know, but this Martin Scorsese thing, I've, I've seen vampires die with less effort than the Martin Scorsese story. But go ahead. Well, I'm go look for a stake to put through the heart of this thing. But what did, what did she do? It's actually nice at this point. Okay. To start to point out that people involved do have senses of humor. So what Francesca, who's, who's again, Martin's 20-year-old daughter, decided to do is she took all of the presents she bought her dad for this year's Christmas and wrapped them in Marvel wrapping paper. She should have bought the whole Infinity Saga box set that they were selling for $500 and oh, gave it to him. That'd nice. be so troll, she'd be recast in Lord of the Rings. Wow. No, that's funny. That's funny. But but she literally tweeted out the image of the pile of packages with their, you know, with the, with the Hulk prominently displayed. So it was kind of cool. And That's cool. And, and just last night, in fact, uh, Ricky Gervais, who was this year's host of the Golden Globes, also brought up the whole the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They aren't really, it isn't cinema, it's their theme park attractions. And so Gervais on stage actually said this, you know, about, and to, to set up the gag, you have to understand that Martin Scorsese's kind of a short guy. He's five foot four. And so, again, Gervais says, Martin Scorsese, the greatest living director, made news with his comments about Marvel. And, and he said, I agree. But that said, I don't understand what Martin is doing hanging around theme parks. He's not big enough to go on any of the rides. And the, the nice thing is they actually cut away to the table where Scorsese and Robert De Niro are sitting. Those of you who are good at Liberty can actually see the two of them cracking up and Scorsese turning to De Niro and going, it's true, it's true. And, and speaking of which, since we we're, were talking about Marvel and theme parks, while we were away, uh, Disney Parks are finally revealed the official name of that Marvel-themed land that they're building at California Adventure. And this five-acre expansion of that theme park is going to be called the Avengers Campus. We've talked before about uh, Phase 1 opening with that uh, Spider-Man attraction. I explained about that previously, right? About the, the how you're going to be actually be able to thwip on this yeah, ride. I've got a different question, though, and I, I don't want to derail the conversation, but we were watching the on the Disney+. Plus. Did you see the clip of the... Uh, what do, you, what do you call the figures? The animatronics? Oh, audio animatronics, yes. Okay. So this one is not one that's got piping going under the, the floorboards of a stage. Mm -hmm. It's 
they launch it into the air and it poses and it looked very Spider-Man-esque. They didn't show it in a Spider-Man suit, but it looked exactly like a Spider-Man pose. And then I saw, it was like a little video animation of what the Avengers campus would be. And they launch a Spider-Man into the, it's like in the behind the little building uh, viewpoint, they've got a catapult. And it launches a little spidey mannequin into the air. And as he's about to hit like the peak, he does a spidey pose. And then he, as he comes down on the other side, they just kind of catch him in a big net that you can't see in the background. And I think that's the coolest thing ever, just to have a spidey mannequin that, that poses at the top of its apex and just looks awesome. I, I, I want to see that so bad. Well, then you and I have to make plans to be out in uh, California for the summer of 2021, unfortunately. Uh, you know, the, the, remember, the Spider-Man thing is phase one. Uh, mm-hmm. That opens this summer, whereas the Quinjet adventure and supposedly the very effect you're talking about will be incorporated into the, the, the five-acre campus out there. But again, phase two. So, All right. Uh, Gotta, you know, but but good things come to those who wait. Well, I didn't know if that was going to be tied into the Spidey ride that or the attraction that you're talking about, or if it was just the general. I know Walt loved uh, things moving. You know, mm-hmm. he liked motion happening in his parks, and I think that could be just that element. Oh, no, no, or no, no, is that part wrong. of the show that, building? That, you are. You've nailed it. Actually, that's all about a kinetic. I mean, literally, the idea is that. You know how in all the Spider-Man games or the movies, you have that scene where he's soaring through the canyons of Manhattan and you watch people who sort of whip their heads around it. I just see that. And evidently, this is Disney's answer to the dragon in Diagon Alley at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Studios Florida. The notion is that you'll just be in there. You'll be walking through the Avengers campus, and then suddenly, over your head, Spidey will leap through the air, and again, strike the signature pose, and then just fall out of sight behind a building. And you'll be like, did you see that? And it's like, well, no, I was face down on the map. I was trying to find the bathroom. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And you, But again, you then have to hang wait for them to a fish the figure out of the net carry it back to the Over catapult to the other mechanism. side well you'd think they would just put a catapult on each side and a net on each side and kind oh. of just slingshot them back and forth the way i think would be the easiest way to get them from point a to point b if that's the the mechanic but i was thinking yeah it looks okay, cool I, and I, everything I, 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 but i just have to interrupt here for a second yeah. again gentlemen at imagineering the check for this idea would go to aaron adams oh geez that. if they haven't thought of that idea by now they don't deserve to work there moving on <laughs> okay <laughs> Come on. Uh, well again we were talking about uh, future attractions and we have the disney's hotel new york the art of marvel at the disneyland paris resort uh which has been going through a lengthy rehab to bring in all of these amazing marvel themed elements well they're taking reservations now, folks, for bookings at this hotel, which evidently is reopening on June 15th. And if you book a package between June 15th and December 4th of 2020, you will get as part of your arrival packet this limited edition litho by uh, Matt Ferguson, who's uh, best known as an art director and poster designer for Disney, Marvel, and Lucasfilm. And I- I'm just told that the only way you can get this art, which supposedly shows an amazing assembly of the Avengers out in front of this impossibly high skyscraper in Manhattan is you have to stay at that hotel. 
Mm. And what else? What else? What else? Oh, oh, oh. Work is proceeding on mm-hmm. the retheming of Rock and Roller Coaster at uh, the Disneyland Paris version uh, that, that went down in September of last year and will come back soon as a high speed, hyperkinetic Iron Man attraction. Likewise, on Monday of this week, the uh, tram tour at the Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris closed. And that area will mostly be used for their version of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, but their own version of the Avengers Campus will, you know, shows will start coming online in, in 2020 and 2021. And I'm hoping that some of our listeners in France will reach out and let us know what they think of those attractions. And Qu- maybe question some- for you about mm-hmm. uh, the Iron Man and Rock and Roller Coaster conversion. Yep. I mean, Tony liked rock and roll. Are they keeping the rock and roll music and then just kind of changing the theming around the coaster, giving it, giving it a red and gold paint job? What's the, how does it get converted? Do you, do you have any info on that? Well, you know, they did put one piece of concept art out there and the pre-show area actually showed uh, Tony in his Iron Man outfit in front of one of the giant arc reactors Mm-hmm. Evidently, the idea is you are at Stark Laboratories and Tony is showing off new tech. And, and again, in the fine Disney tradition, I'm betting something goes horribly wrong. Right. But yeah, the, the track remains in place. And you, you're right. You know, the, Tony, given the music that he, he used to work with, uh, work to in his home lab, I would honestly be surprised if it doesn't have a kick in soundtrack. Yeah, I just figured it, it, it seems rock and roller coaster and then Tony Stark. And I'm like, that's not very much of a leap from A to B, all you got to do is paint it red and gold, give it some theming in the queue area, and uh, you're done. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Okay, moving on. Okay. Um, anyway, you and I have talked previously about Deadpool 3, and obviously you have some concerns. But on December 24th, uh, Ryan Reynolds put in an appearance on the Christmas edition of Live with Kelly and Ryan. and He was supposedly there hyping his new Netflix movie, Six Underground, but as, over the course of this interview, Ryan was asked by the other Ryan, Ryan Seacrest, uh, about Deadpool 3. And and Ryan volunteered, oh, working on it right now with the whole team. We're over at Marvel now, which is kind of the big leagues all of a sudden. It, it's it's kind of crazy. And again, as part of this discussion, which, by the way, Ren- Reynolds was, in addition to Kelly and Seacrest, they were all there on camera in their pajamas. So uh, was. <laughs> which I guess isn't that much of a leap from the Deadpool outfit, but there was no discussion as to whether or not this is going to be an R-rated film. You would think that they would continue the trend. It made its money. It's done its thing. You know, I mean, they, they've got a formula that works for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, now it's what story do, do you tell within the confines of that formula? Or how do you kind of shake up the formula to make it more interesting? I agree. I agree. Oh, and, and by the way, I, I want I want to say I, I don't think it was the last mud, but I think maybe the one before that. You you introduced a new segment, the stuff that Kevin says. Oh yeah, <laughs> I found Kevin said some stuff over the two weeks that we were away that I, I I wanted to get your thoughts on, and both of these things were said during a question and answer session that Kevin recently took part in at the New York Film Academy. And uh, first up, Kevin was asked about when the Marvel Cinematic Universe would start including characters that were transgender. 
And uh, Feige's response was that this would be happening, and again, direct quote here, very soon in a film we're filming right now, which, of course, the internet immediately, you know, went, oh, well, he must be talking about the Eternals, and that makes sense because, you know, back at the D23 Expo in August, Feige stood on stage, and as he was talking about this Chloe Zhao movie, he mentioned that, oh, yeah, that, that we're going to have in this movie our the first openly gay character to appear in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And that, you know, this is, gay character is going to be in the Eternals. And again, quoting directly from Kevin, the character is going to be married. He's got a family. And this is just part of who he is. So the thinking was, well, okay. So if the, the Eternals has got the first openly gay character, it would just stand to reason. Okay, then this film must then also have the MCU's first transgender character. But by this past weekend, and what was kind of interesting is, while Feige himself didn't retract the statement, Variety reported that two senior officials at Marvel Studios said that Kevin Feige is now walking back the comments that he made at the New York Film Academy, and that what Kevin meant to say was that the Eternals would feature the MCU's first LGBT character, not specifically the MCU's first transgender character. So what's the old cliche, Aaron? You, you got to walk before you can run, you know? Not necessarily. I mean, okay. it's it's a matter of inclusion. Okay. Right? Mm -hmm. So the fact, and, and if, if, we're, if we're proper allies, mm -hmm. then we support inclusion of any form. And it okay. doesn't mean that you've got to have the entire rainbow in one movie. Mm-hmm. But as long as you're plopping in different colors of the rainbow, that's mm -hmm. fine. That's the whole point of inclusion is it, it doesn't all have to be at once. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a, an everything right now type of thing. It just has to be continuous. It can't be like a moment where we go, hey, we did it once mm -hmm. and then they're done. Right. Yeah. They, they, have to, they have to continue. That's the whole point of change is it's, it's not doing something once and then never going back to it. It's continuing what you've done the one time and doing it a second time, doing it a third time. So we need to start, right? Mm -hmm. So let's start with one. Mm -hmm. And then after one is done, let's work on two. And then after two, we'll work on three and four. That said, I am kind of hoping that, when, you know, again, we're talking about the first openly gay character in the MCU. I'm, I'm kind of hoping this is not a rerun of A, what just happened with uh, the rise of Skywalker that, that, you know, they made such a big deal about, you know, the, you know, you're going to see Two the people first. kissing in the background. Yeah. And it, it yeah. literally, it, it was, <laughs> was such a short scene that Singapore, which really has an issue with depiction of homosexuality on screen that, that they insisted that in order for it to maintain a certain rating in that market, that that scene had to be cut. I guess I want this to be, you know, something, but especially if you're talking this much about it out ahead of it. Yeah. I mean, well, the thing is like the, the question that was posed originally was transgender and transgender mm -hmm. does not equate to gay necessarily. Mm -hmm. It, mm -hmm. it could, they could have go hand in hand, but mm -hmm. it doesn't by definition mean that they have to. So the language is being very specific. When you talk about mm -hmm. LGBTQ, if mm -hmm. you, you're you using that as an umbrella term. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about transgender, that means going from one sex to another. If you're talking about gay, that's about who you have sex with. So, I mean, that's, mm -hmm. if we, we have to look at the definitions of the words, and then if Kevin said something, Yep. We have to understand that 
not everybody is aware of all of the definitions in the dictionary yet. So he's he's going to say something and and it's going to be he's going to be committed to a thing that other people understand the definition to that he may not. And then all of a sudden they go, hey, we asked for transgender. You said gay. You know, that's mm-hmm. those are different things. And he's going to have to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need a I need a dictionary. What, yeah. did, what did I commit to? Right. Yeah. And again, that's the thing. I, I, I Again, as a 60 year old man, my daughter is constantly correcting me. And I mean, well, but it's just. You know, the whole they-them issue when you're dealing transgender. And it's just mm-hmm. sort of like – and it's it's something I have to learn how to do. It's not their fault. It's my fault. that This is how I grew up and I have to grow and change. Well, them. let's think of it this way. It's not your fault, Jim. It's it's that the world changes and you mm-hmm. are either with the change or you, or you are so against it. But in the old-timey English, mm-hmm. we don't say thou'st or, or thou <laughs> anymore, <laughs> right? Were- this is true. Changes. So we, I, we adapt and, and we be, and we grow as a civilization with these changes. Oh, I love that analogy. Okay, cool. Well, uh, and, and now speaking of, of other things that Kevin had to walk back, remember, we, okay. we we talked previously about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and how this was going to be the very first MCU horror film, which obviously excited the two of us. And we were talking about the possibilities of, you know, folding in the, the, the Marvel zombies. And sadly, Kevin's walking that one back too. This is a direct quote from him again at the, the New York Film Academy. And he said, look, I wouldn't necessarily say that Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness is a horror film, but it is, as Scott Derrickson, our director, pitched it, a big MCU film with scary sequences in it. And Feige goes on to explain, when I was a kid in the 80s, Spielberg did an amazing job of doing that. There were horrifying sequences in Raiders of the Lost Ark where I, as a little kid, covered my eyes when the Nazis' faces melted or in Temple of Doom or Gremlins or Poltergeist. And these were the movies that the PG-13 rating was invented for, by the way. They were PG and the MPA was like, we need another rating. But that's fun. It's fun to be scared in that way, and, and not in a horrific, torturous way, but but in a way that's legitimately scary, because Scott Derrickson is, is quite good at that, scary in the service of an exhilarating emotion. Though, as we talk of multiverse of badness, and in fact, I want to say on a recent show, you and I really talked at length about how WandaVision was supposed to run, in fact, there was this deliberate plan that WandaVision was supposed to run in the late winter, early spring of 2021, and that it would literally set the stage for uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness, which, again, had a May 7, 2021 release date. Well, that all seemed to go out the window this past week. And yet we were so convinced that they were locked tooth like gears. They couldn't be separated. So, well, all right. Just, just to explain here, folks, that, that there was a trailer for Disney Plus that debuted online just this past week that laid out everything that, that they were going to be showing on Disney's new subscription streaming service in 2020. And among the images that were included was a shot from WandaVision. So it's like, well, wait a minute. If it's debuting in 2020, how do the gears mesh in that way? And so I called a friend at Marvel and asked for an explanation. And it turns out we're still right, Aaron. Huh? But here, follow, have my pal walk me through the entire programming thing that Disney Plus is about to do. Okay, it actually starts mid-September 
2020. The six-episode run of Falcon and the Winter Soldier begins on Disney+, Plus, with the final episode, which airs just before Halloween, helping to set up the Eternals. Now, November 6, 2020, the Eternals opens in theaters. Less than one week later, on November 12, 2020, which, by the way, is the one-year anniversary of the launch of Disney+, Plus, the first episode of the second season of The Mandalorian airs. Uh, this will be a Thursday, by the way. The following week, The Mandalorian will switch back to its normal every Friday uh, air date. And just like the first season of The Mandalorian, they're going to do eight episodes. Well, let me go jump in my cryo chamber real quick and <laughs> set the date for November 12th. See you in a year, Jim. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I am very much looking forward to more episodes of that show. I really, yeah. really, really enjoyed it. Right. And remember, they said that WandaVision would be airing in 2020. Well, sure enough, on December 31st, 2020, the first episode of WandaVision debuts on, on Disney+. Plus. Again, that's going to be a Thursday. And then the following week on Friday, episode two will air, and it's a six-episode run. And evidently, this is something that Marvel's going to announce later this year. And in fact, it explained... Scott Derrickson's tweet back on December 15th about, what was it again? Release dates of the en enemy of art? Yeah, something very, very similar to them words. Okay. So remember, the, the schedule as it's out there right now has Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings opening in theaters on February 12th, 2021, and then Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Badness opening in theaters on May 7th of that year. And evidently, what's in the works and has not been announced is that those two films are swapping release dates. So, what? Uh, so Doc, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness drops on February 12th. So again, we get our interlocking mechanism of WandaVision, you know, with, with the six episodes starting on New Year's Day, with it completing just before uh, Doctor Strange opens in theaters. And then Shang-Chi, they're kind of doing the same thing they did with Black Panther 2. How remember how the original Black Panther played in, in February? And mm. uh, at February of uh, 2018, right? Right. But when they went to do the second Black Panther, they moved it to the May slot because they thought it's going to really play strong. And evidently based on... Everything you know so far that they, they've lined up for Shang Chi and, and the Legend of the Ten Rings, they feel like this is potentially a real summer blockbuster. And remember that in Marvel's eyes, the summer blockbuster season actually starts in the, the first week of May. So it's mm -hmm. like no disrespect to Doctor Strange, but it just also the fact that that you know they can do Wandavision is you know launch it as part of this you know this sort of programming event that goes. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, then season two of The Mandalorian, then into WandaVision. Before you go on, I just wonder, is if Disney is testing the idea of breaking the concept of the movie calendar. If you put yeah. out WandaVision for six weeks and you lead to, let's just say, for example, a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's going to happen that way, but what if it did? Mm -hmm. And then they go, by the way, Doctor Strange is out in three, two, one. And people go rush out and, and they want to see how WandaVision wraps up in Doctor mm -hmm. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Like, they've got data. 
there could be some sort of thing that they're trying out that's all about numbers and dollars and how the calendar works in a movie theater that may just change how how it all works for them. We're suddenly going back to stuff that Kevin said. Remember how Kevin was talking about that going forward, that in order to really be up to speed about what was going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you had to watch the Marvel limited series that were going to be shown on Disney+. Plus. It's like and a six-hour commercial for your movie. <laughs> I honestly think, you know, for example, looking at The Mandalorian, I am on the back of how much I enjoyed those eight episodes. I feel like I'm that much more likely to go out and see Rise of Skywalker, especially given how terrible the reviews were. Sort of like, but I like The Mandalorian, so I'll go check this out. Anyway, uh, to sort of pivot back to the, the year that Disney just had, Theatrical, you were, you were talking about uh, theatrical releases. Disney had a, a once-in-a-lifetime year in 2019. They had seven films that made a billion dollars worldwide. Uh, they ended the year with a, an $11.12 billion in, a, in global earnings. That's like having a unicorn during an eclipse, all right? You know, it's just it's, that's never going to happen again. And Disney knows that. You know, especially looking at the, the what's going on theatrically. And so they are literally pivoting to the streaming service. This is all about meeting their announced goal, uh, which remember back in November when they, when they announced, when they launched Disney Plus, they wanted uh, to have 60 to 90 million subscribers by 2024. So that was their five-year goal. And now, just yesterday, CNN reported that Rosenblatt Securities analyst Bernie McInturn, he has access to the numbers that the general public don't have access to. But evidently, according to Bernie, Disney is already halfway to the, the $60 million goal, that when Disney announces its first quarter earnings for 2020, which it'll do in the first week of February, they're going to reveal that they've already got 25 million people signed up for Disney+. And they had all of those people by December 29th, 2019, which is, again, the way the way Disney's fiscal, fiscal calendar works. That was the end of the first quarter for 2020. So, you know, the very thing that we were talking about here and about creating a programming event going from, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier to second season of The Mandalorian to WandaVision and, and again, interlocking with these films. As you're talking about this, I'm like seeing other visions of sugar plums in my head that, that mm -hmm. we're not talking about yet. Think of any anything big uh, mm -hmm. in the streaming world. Can you can you give me just any one title that's not Mandalorian right now? Just anything random. Just this past summer, we had the third season of Stranger Things. Though there you go, exactly. Okay, Stranger Things. How right. long did we talk about Stranger Things? I mean, a, a week after it was released, it mm -hmm. lived in the public eye for like a couple of weeks, a month. Yep. Mandalorian, and, because it's stretched out. Like mm -hmm. episode one gave you a, a hint of. We still call it Baby Yoda, but you know it's mm -hmm. not Baby Yoda. It's the asset or the child. By the way, just today, Taika Waititi tweeted, folks who work on the show know the real name of Baby Yoda. And he says, I'm not going to release it, but I'll leave that to Favreau. But evidently, this thing really does have a name. 
And so. that's that's cool. I can't wait to find out. But the, it's like in episode one, we got our first glimpse of it and everybody went, aw, and it was a meme. And then in two, he did a mm-hmm. little thing and everybody went, aw, and it was a mm-hmm. different meme. And then in, in episode three, mm-hmm. different thing, different meme. Episode mm-hmm. four, I mean, every single week, there was a yeah. new asset yeah. meme. Mm-hmm. And that kept it in the public eye for almost two months because Disney was releasing episode by episode instead of just dropping an entire batch all at once. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Stranger Things was great and everything, but it was like a, a big bang with a really, really short fuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and was. Mandalorian is a hell of a long fuse with a tremendous bang at the end because mm-hmm. I, we are gonna, not going to talk spoilers about it, but the last... 30 seconds means I am there definitely for the first frame of season two when that happens. I'm so there for for that. (laughs) You and me both. Right? So, I mean, that's one of the things that I think when we get to WandaVision and Mm -hmm. it's it's, uh, a weekly conversation that -hmm. people are going to be having episode by episode instead of like a Stranger Things 3 info dump where it's like, oh, my God, the whole season distilled in this one blog. And then, and then I'm done with it because I, I consumed it at once. I'm going to talk about it at once and then I'm done. And I think this is uh, the way that Disney Plus is, is going to stand out uh, with kind of making its own advertising. It's got word of mouth because people are talking about it for weeks on end. You got to wonder on the Netflix side of the fence, especially given that they have okayed production of season four of Stranger Things. And, and given what just happened with The Mandalorian how, and how the child became, as you mentioned, you know, a meme phenomenon that's white, hot, pop culture thing. If something big like Stranger Things season four comes out and mm-hmm. they end up deciding to release it week by week, you know there's a shift in the tide. If they, if they are dropping, if they're making like Amazon's got the Lord of the Rings thing coming out, they spend a billion dollars on, do you think they're going to drop that all at once or you think they're going to tease that out week by week? You know they're going to tease that out week by week. Thank God. Yeah. So I, I think there's a, a, a trend that's going to shift back and in, 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 uh, streaming is still growing and finding its way. But at the same time, it's always interesting to be there at the moment where things change. And I think I think you're right. I think that... Mandalorian really sort of planted a flag and you know what's kind of funny is that there are all these stories about how Kevin Feige is working on a Star Wars movie to sort of help write the ship there and the irony is well here's the Mandalorian that is now kind of dictating how we're going to see Falcon and the Winter Soldier and how we're going to see WandaVision largely because The Mandalorian became such a phenomenon because it was released, you know, one every week of their bones. And right. By the way, speaking of release dates, uh, again, we were talking uh, a little bit back there about New Mutants and a brand new trailer for that film dropped today. And tell you what, when we get back from this commercial break, and Aaron and I will talk about the 20th Century Fox release that, man, how many release dates has this movie had? Three or four. <laughs> And we'll get to that right after this commercial break. To be fair, you and I have talked previously about what's going on with the new mutants. And uh, and I think, by the way, you, you got to see the new trailer today, right? Or Yeah, and I had to scan the comments section because I was mostly curious as to what the general world at large was thinking 
about this now. And then I looked at all the comments and there was, there was a wide variety of uh, people going from, finally, this is being released to, oh, wow, this totally brand new idea looks totally dope. I'm so <laughs> excited for this brand new thing that was just created just now. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there were other people that were confused by the horror aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And then there were other people that were totally on board with this radically new inventive idea that someone just came up with just mm -hmm. now. I don't know if it's just the fact that enough time has passed that a lot of people just forgot this existed or if it never made a blip on the general radar when it first trailers came out, you know, a couple of years ago. But yeah, some people just had no idea this was a thing. And I'll, I got to say, no matter how this plays out, there are a lot of comments where I saw that there are true fans of characters who are just excited to see their favorite character on screen for the first time. And I just want this to be a good movie experience for them. That's all I care about is like back in 2002 when I got to see Spidey for the first time, I had a blast. So for the people that love the characters genuinely, I, I want them to enjoy it no matter how it plays out. I liked this trailer. It, it has that definite horror movie teens battle adults who are lying to them vibe. And mm -hmm. so it, 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 it looks like a fun time at the movies, though this project has had a somewhat uh, troubled production history, though the interesting thing is, again, reached out to a friend at Fox out ahead of, of Aaron and I doing this podcast, and he gave me a very different history of this film than the one that you and I have previously shared, Aaron. And uh, first and foremost, you know, the impetus of this project came largely on the back that the X-Men movies had gotten so expensive that they were looking to do a reboot, especially with younger actors that cost less to, to you know, I mean, first of all, you could sign them to a contract for multiple films. And by the way, the New Mutants, at least according to the original plan that Josh Boone laid out to, to Fox, was the start of a trilogy. And this was as far back as May of 2015 when he, he submitted his screenplay with Nate Lee. And so what Fox wanted to do was get young actress, actors, if we were talking about hot pop culture phenomena last year, that would have been Game of Thrones, you know, which was, you know, uh, had just ended its final season on HBO. And uh, Maisie uh, Williams, who, who plays Arya Starks on that show, you know, was actually cast in the New Mutants, which with the notion of HBO was, you know, was going to end uh, Game of Thrones in 2018. So the notion is, okay, we cast her, and then we shoot the film in 2017, and then they edit the thing together. They have it ready to release the theaters for April of 2018, which coincidentally would be right as HBO is ending Game of Thrones, and so. Maisie is going to, you know, a big chunk of that show. And so it's like you wonderful Venn diagram that Game of Thrones fans who love Maisie would come out to see New Mutants. And the month before they start shooting, HBO announces in June of 2017, oh, you know, we've got a production problem. So we're pushing off the series finale for Game of Thrones from 2018 to 2019. So right off the bat, you know, Fox's plan goes straight into the ditch. And then in December of 2017, the Walt Disney Company announces that it's 
looking to acquire 21st Century Fox and its film and television production studios. And now New Mutants is supposed to be a trilogy. It's supposed to relaunch the X-Men franchise uh, for Fox. And now it's like, well, if Disney acquires Fox, obviously Kevin Feige and the folks at Marvel Studios are going to be talking about what they want to do with the X-Men. So what's the point of doing this first film of a brand new trilogy? So to, to give them some, some breathing space, Fox decides in January of 2018, they're going to push off the release date of New Mutants from April. So again, three months before this movie was originally supposed to arrive in theaters, it's now pushed off to February of 2019. With the hope that, okay, accordingly, that initially the hope was that Disney would be able to get through all the regulatory hurdles within a year at the, the worst 18 months. But nobody anticipated that in June of 2018, Comcast would come, suddenly come over the hill and put in its own bid for 21st Century Fox, which again, totally screwed up the calendar. So Fox, again, with the thought of, all right, let's let's give ourselves some room here. So they push off the release date yet again to now it's August of 2019, figuring that, well, by then Disney's got to, it's either Disney's acquired Fox or if they haven't acquired Fox, okay, then we can proceed, you know, pursue our trilogy idea. But Disney acquires uh, Fox for 73 or 71.3 billion in March of 2019 and then it's a question of, okay, it's the very first time now that Disney's officially acquired Fox that they can start looking at the films that Fox has got in production and where they fit in with the stuff that Disney's going to try to release. And so May 2019, we're talking, what, eight weeks later? This is where Disney, setting up its sort of schedule for the next couple of years, insists that, okay, New Mutants, we're going to push off yet again. Fox had locked in that August 2019 release date. Disney says, nah, we're going to go April 2020. So that's where we are right now. And that's four weeks before Black Widow. All of Disney's might and main, at least when it comes to marketing, is going to be put behind Black Widow because that's supposed to be the first film of Phase 4. So... I kind of feel bad for Maisie. <laughs> it feels an awful lot like a couple of people dumping a carpet that just happens to have a couple of shoes sticking out of the end of it uh, into a river. <laughs> it's the mental image I've got right now. <laughs> well, you know, all right. To be fair, though, that it, in Hollywood, January is traditionally the month you dump films that you don't necessarily have much faith in that's kind of the dumping ground of the year, you know, to the effect of, okay, we burn off the stuff that we don't have any confidence in. So the fact that it has an April release date, you know, at least says that Disney saw something there. But on the other hand, again, this is not going to be a trilogy. This is not going to be a relaunch of the X-Men. Uh, this is a one and done. The interesting thing, though, to double back on what we talked about previously, there were all of these stories about how they were going to do reshoots. You know, to the effect of it wasn't scary enough or, you know, that, that they wanted to bring in additional characters and they wanted to plus the film. And it, it turns out all of that, they, they would never any plans to reshoot. This was always about Fox trying to accommodate Marvel Studios and Disney with the notion of that, 
you know, do we really want to relaunch the X-Men at a time when Disney is probably looking to relaunch the X-Men, or at least after they complete the acquisition? Which brings me to the final story of the show, doubling back to Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool 3. This is the, the, the last little butte that, that, that my friend at Fox sort of tossed through the door here, and that uh, it was talked about, yep, Ryan sat down with Kevin Feige, and yep, they, you know, they, they definitely you know, want to do something significant with Deadpool 3 for the, you know, this is the first one that's going to be where he's officially becoming part of the MCU. And the interesting thing is Ryan is evidently pushing that the, the, in order to make this film big and important and something that people have to go out of their way to see, he wants Marvel to reach out to Hugh Jackman and have him come back and play Wolverine again. Now, Hugh Jackman has already committed to appearing on Broadway this year. He's appearing in a revival of The Music Man with Sutton Foster that begins performances in New York in September. And then it's a limited engagement runs through February 28th, 2021. So if Deadpool 3 is going forward, and if, you know, they, they want to make it must-see, the question is now, do you shoot the Wolverine scenes? First of all, if he even agrees, like, you know, hasn't Hugh Jackman basically said that I'm done with Wolverine? You know, it could be Ryan Reynolds just puts on his Deadpool costume, goes to wherever <laughs> Hugh Jackman is rehearsing his play, busts into the theater. He's like, Hugh, Hugh, come on, come on, just real quick, you know? And, and, if, and if Hugh says no, Ryan just says to hell with it and throws it in the movie anyway. Okay. <laughs> and he goes, I tried to get get it to happen. Here's what happened. He said no. He's a <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could well be. Uh but but yeah, I guess the question is, do you shoot before and again, I think as you mentioned, the poor guy's gonna be in rehearsals right up until the show opens in September. Or do you wait till the end of February, March, you know, for him to finally be available? Or do you shoot those scenes in New York, you know, when he's not performing in that play i mean if they write whatever gag it mm -hmm. may only require that hugh jackman take off his shirt and stand in front of a green screen and say like three lines of dialogue i mean he's his cameo in the x-men first class was him in a bar and i believe oh, his only right. words right. were f off and <laughs> that's that, true it's like that's okay true. we're done thanks you know so don't get me wrong. I love that scene. I really do. It's 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 a fun moment in first class. But you know, if he was coming back, especially for a Ryan Reynolds Deadpool movie, I do hope that they do something of size. But I, I guess long story short, Aaron, between what's going on with WandaVision and and likewise, you know, the the, the Deadpool three, we have a very interesting year ahead of us here with the, the Marvelous Disney podcast. Lots and lots and lots to talk about. But but meantime, folks, if you, you're waiting for our next show, uh, we do have some other fine podcasts here at Jim Hill Media. We've got Disney Dish with Len Testo. We've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We've got Universal Joint with Justin Fuse. We've got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And in fact, to this afternoon, I am recording with Michelle Valladolid, a brand new episode of I Want That, our, our Disney merch podcast. So uh, tell you what, if you could do Anna and I a favor, and if you could head over to iTunes and rate and recommend this show, that does help send additional eyeballs and ears our way. And if 
you really, really, really like what we do here, if you get out of the band camp and subscribe, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and on behalf of Mr. Adams, uh, we look forward to you swinging by again and catching another episode of Marvelous Disney. <laughs>